good morning and welcome. The Lord be with you. And grace and peace to us all. In the name of Christ our Lord, it is Christ who stirs us awake, who bids us come to this time and place of worship. And it is a joy to respond to the call of Christ by gathering in worship with you. We thank you for the time that you give in sharing in this service of worship this morning. It is a joy to be with each of you, especially those who may be visiting our guests. You bless us with your presence. We give you thanks for sharing in worship at First Church this morning. And it is good to be with you at the tail end of annual conference. Our conference was held in Roanoke from Thursday until yesterday. So returned yesterday from a good time with colleagues and with friends and uh, with my daughter. So um, we, we lift as we conclude conference, uh, Bishop Weaver in prayer, Bishop Sharma Lewis in prayer, as she continues to recover from surgery. Uh, those clergy who are moving, such as Janine Howard, who has been our DS, she will be uh, receiving an appointment to a church in Northern Virginia, and we will be receiving, effective July 1st, Denise Bates uh, as our district superintendent. So again, throughout this time of worship, especially as we approach the prayers of the people, uh, we will lift these persons in prayer. And again, I thank you for your prayers, and it is good to be with you again for another year of ministry. As we prepare for worship, we are mindful of those opportunities before us, such as Vacation Bible School. Uh, that's not just a children's ministry. It involves the efforts of all of us here at the church. So thank you for your efforts, for your response to the call for volunteers. Uh, we remember as well the ministry of the food bank and clothes closet, the ministry of the lunch bunch. As it is before us each Tuesday and Thursday, we are always grateful for volunteers to help with those ministries. And as we gather for worship in this season following Pentecost, we read of the growth of the church, the expansion of the gospel of Christ, and share this morning in healing stories as represented on your bulletin cover as well when Jesus cast demons out of man, giving him new life, and I look forward to sharing in that word with you. Uh, Mary Ann McConnell was to sing this morning. She is not well enough to do that. Remember Mary Ann in prayer. Uh, and Matt Hoover as well, who texted me this morning to say that he was not feeling well. Uh, but we do gather as the people of God for worship, and I invite us now to prepare to worship God together.
Thank you, Beth. We stand as we share in our call to worship. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. I will extol you, my God and King. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. Please be seated. <clears throat> Our opening prayer is before us. I invite us to go to God as we pray. O oh God, in mystery and silence, you are present in our lives. 
bringing new life out of destruction, hope out of despair, growth out of difficulty. We thank you that you do not leave us alone, but labor to make us whole. Help us to perceive your unseen hand in the unfolding of our lives and to attend to the gentle guidance of your spirit that we may know the joy you give your people. Amen. We share the word of God first as it comes to us from 2 Kings, the fifth chapter. This is an account of healing that anticipates the scripture we share in which Jesus heals a demon-possessed man. First we pray. The Lord, your word has been before us many years spoken many times, but we hear your word again this morning, spoken as if anew, because you are a God who does new things, you are a God who brings about new things, and you are a God who works in our lives on this new day, so as to bless us, satisfy us, inspire us with your word. For this we give you thanks. Amen. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, Why have you rent your clothes? Let him come now to me, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and halted at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away, saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage, but his servants came near and said to him, My father, if the prophet had commanded you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much rather then when he says to you, Wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored, like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean." From the Gospel of Luke, the 8th chapter, verses 26 through 39. <clears throat> then they arrived at the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. And as he stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes. And he lived not in a house, but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beseech you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him, but he was kept under guard and bound with chains and fetters. 
But he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them leave. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how he who had been possessed with demons was healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him, but he sent him away, saying, Return to your home, and to declare how much God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. This is the word of our Lord. And are there children to come forward that we might share in children's time? Good morning, Gates. Good morning, Tally. Who'd you bring with you, Tally? Rainbow. Okay. Well, hi, Rainbow. I'm glad you're here, too. And Simone, I'm glad you're here. Well, this is a wonderful time of year. I hope your summer is going well. And it's also a time during the year in which we may enjoy gardens at our homes. Do, do you all have anything growing outside, flowers or vegetables? What do you have, Gates? A lot of flowers. Okay. Yeah. Vegetables, flowers, and fruits. Okay. Well, we have some vegetables and flowers and herbs we enjoy growing at our home. And, and in fact, these came from our garden. Any idea what these are? How about that? They are peppers. They're not hot peppers. They're, they're banana peppers. And, and we've enjoyed them. And, and if we can keep the deer away from them, we will enjoy them even more. So... But I'm, I'm happy we have these and to share them with you. What, what color are they? Green. A lot of vegetables are green, aren't they? There you go. Exactly. It is the same color because they have something in common. And we're going to talk about that. You know that sometimes when we come in here to worship, we'll see these are, these are called paraments. Big word, paraments. They're from the lectern there. They're from the pulpit and the, the choir, I think, has corresponding uh, pyramids, and, and I'll wear these that are green at this time of year. A few, few weeks ago, they were red because it was the day of Pentecost, and we remember the fire of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes these will be purple, uh, which is a royal color, so as we prepare for the birth of Jesus, our King, or as we prepare for, for, for Jesus' death as a king before Easter, they'll be purple, and at this time of year, they are green. And it is related to what's happening in our gardens now. 
because we say this is a season in the year of the church in which we celebrate the growth of the church. Jesus has been raised from the dead, the Holy Spirit has descended, and now the church grows. I, behold, I send you into all the world to proclaim the good news of the gospel, says Jesus. So this is a season of growth. That's why we have green before us, because green is the season of a color of growth, as we see in our gardens, as we see with many of the vegetables and herbs and flowers. So, I'm happy to share with you the growth of the gospel. We hear about that as we share the word this morning, and as we share in the life of the church. Jesus lives, the Spirit has descended, and now we go into all the world to share the good news of Christ. We help share the growth of the church. So, would you all like a pepper? Yes? Okay, mom says yes. Mom says yes. There we go. Simone? Mushy. It is a little, little mushy. Yeah, but it's, it's uh, they're good. They're good. And they're pretty, and we've got plenty. So, okay. But we are glad to share the good news of what God is doing in the church and what God is doing in all creation. So will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for the growth around us and for the growth of your church. Bless these children, that they may know you with them, this day and always. Amen. Thank you. There you go, Simone. There you go. Everyone's got a pepper. And I believe Elizabeth will take you now to Children's Church. Thank you, Elizabeth. <clears throat> we share the scripture from 2 Kings, we share it from Luke, we share the word of God. <clears throat> As someone who considers himself a well-informed sports fan, I remember from several years ago a certain story of a well-known sports broadcaster. The story goes like this. While this broadcaster was on the road, a rumor arose that the broadcaster had died. So quickly had this rumor spread, the broadcaster's wife had received word her husband had died. We well, can imagine how distraught this broadcaster was at the pervasiveness of this rumor, so pervasive it had reached his wife. Especially troubling was the fact this occurred before everyone and their dogs started carrying cell phones, so the broadcaster could not immediately reach his wife to inform her he was, in fact, still among the living. Finally, the broadcaster found a phone, called his wife, told her, Honey, don't worry, I'm alive. Well, after the dust had settled, the broadcaster was debriefing with his friends about this experience. Recalling all that had happened, a friend asked him, Tell us, how did your wife respond when you told her you were alive? The broadcaster paused, finally answered in his typical dry fashion. Well, he said, she had a mixed reaction. Okay, we get it. The wry humor the surprise of the mixed reaction when we expect the reaction to the news, I'm not dead but alive, to be a reaction not mixed but of absolute joy 
Yes, we, we can laugh at the humor here. We may even wonder, is he telling the truth? We can smile, say to one another, that's funny. But then we look at our scripture this morning. Jesus, who has just calmed raging waves, arrives in the country of the Gerasenes. This is foreign land, Gentile land, not of the chosen people of God. Here he meets a man possessed by demons a long time. The man has led a tormented life, ill-clothed, living among the tombs. The unclean spirits have seized this man to the point at which he needs to be kept under guard, bound in chains and fetters. He has managed to break the bonds, only to be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus commands the demons to leave this man. They do so, enter a herd of swine, a herd which runs down a steep bank into a lake where they drown. So Jesus, how did this crowd react when it heard the news of how you cast the demons from this man so long possessed of them? How did the people react when they heard the news of how you healed this man, now found at your side, clothed in his right mind? Well, says Jesus, they had a mixed reaction. We heard the scripture. Jesus restores a tormented man to fullness of life. The reaction of the crowds, they're afraid. They ask Jesus to depart from them. They are seized with great fear. Well, really, by way of further review, we cannot call this a mixed reaction, can we? It appears one-sided. The reaction to this life-saving, life-giving deed of Jesus is not a mingling of joy and sadness. It is one-sided. We are afraid. Go away. Leave us alone. Not exactly the response we expect to what appears to be good news. Yes, a man can joke about his wife's mixed reaction to the news that despite rumors to the contrary, he's alive. But this is not a joking matter. A man has been debilitated for years by a multitude of demons, ill-clothed, living among the tombs, bound with chains and fetters, kept under guard, driven into the desert, a life we cannot imagine. Then, Jesus frees him from the legion of demons. Nothing to joke about. No mixed reaction called for. A man is given new life, freed of all that had enslaved him. All is made new for him. But the crowds respond with fear. Tells Jesus, leave us alone. We don't understand. Where's the joy? Where's the celebration? Now, if we have not personally experienced some miraculous healing for ourselves or for loved ones, we know others who have experienced this. We also know the response to this experience to be one of praise, celebration. 
So it's with this crowd, witness to Jesus' healing of a man possessed by demons, responding to this miracle by telling Jesus, go away, leave us alone. We don't understand. While we try to understand, we may recall This is not the only instance in which we believe a response of joy to be appropriate, but instead we see mixed reaction. Just before this account of Jesus healing this man, we are told of Jesus rebuking wind and waves, calming the storming sea. The response of disciples Who then is this that he commands even wind and water, and they obey him? We remember Luke shares with us the account of Jesus' first sermon in Nazareth. Jesus preaches to those from his hometown. The people know him. We would expect them to be proud of the hometown boy delivering his inaugural sermon. But after initially being pleased with Jesus... The response of the crowds is not applause and celebration. Instead, Luke tells us this, that those worshiping in the synagogue that Sabbath rose up and put him out of the city and led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built that they might throw him down headlong. We may recall that on Easter morning, when the women who have been to the tomb tell the disciples Jesus is raised from the dead, the disciples don't believe them. They believe the women to be spreading idle tales. And a man tormented by demons his entire life will wake up tomorrow morning free of demons for the first time in his life and the response from those who witnessed this miracle, Jesus, leave us alone. We don't understand. While serving a church in the town of Shawsville about an hour and a half north of here, Paula and I, despite having two young daughters, decided to become foster parents. We contacted a private foster care agency in Roanoke, went through the proper training, and in time became foster parents. Our responsibility was that of providing respite or short-term care meaning when foster parents providing long-term care needed a break from their children, we would receive for a weekend or week or two their children. So we then received into our home a succession of children ranging in ages from, say, six to seven, all the way to high school student. I remember these experiences as positive ones, taking these children out to eat, going roller skating, sharing in certain household projects with them. Well, perhaps because it became known in the neighborhood that we were hosting foster children as well as caring for our own two daughters, other neighborhood children seemed 
to find their way to our home. So it was not unusual, especially in the afternoons when the school bus dropped off a load of children, for such children eventually to show up at our home. There they would be playing games on our front porch or in the front yard. They would find games to play, movies to watch inside, would find some food in our kitchen. And though it could be tiring to watch out for the welfare of a number of children, we also found reward in being seen as a place of welcome, and safety, and hospitality for these children until the day a local deputy showed up in our front yard. It seems a neighbor or two of ours, we do not know who, did not look upon our care of these children so kindly. They did not see this place of children at play, of welcome and hospitality, so graciously. So why not, instead of talking to Paula or me if they had concerns, why not call the sheriff's office? Raise some malicious suspicions. Send a deputy over. In such a way, saying to us, we really don't want you outsiders here. Why don't you go away and leave us alone? Take your hospitality, take your grace, take your care for these children, and get the hell out of here. Perhaps there's nothing more disheartening, more dispiriting, than trying to be of help, to do the right thing, and have such efforts rejected. Kind of like offering a glass of water to a thirsty person only to have the glass of water smacked from your hand. Kind of like trying to give your son to save the lives of everyone only to have your son killed on a cross. While at annual conference in Roanoke this past Thursday, I ran into a longtime friend named Bob. Bob is serving a church in Newport News, but many years ago we got to know Bob as, or I got to know Bob and he got to know me as we served separate churches on the Roanoke District. We stood in the courtyard of the Berglinda Center during lunch break, sharing memories, sharing laughs, sharing about the respective churches we now serve. I want you to know I spoke well of you, okay? Well, Bob spoke to me of how he had traveled from Newport News to St. Louis this past February. He was interested in observing the most recent general conference of the United Methodist Church. Well, being such a contentious conference, we understand why Bob felt the need to leave the convention center one afternoon to get away from the conflicted debate, to try to clear his head as he walked the streets of St. Louis. As Bob walked, he found himself stopped in his tracks. As he stood before a certain work of art located on a public sidewalk, 
The work of art, Bob would discover, is known as Homeless Jesus. You can Google this, find this online. Wait until after the sermon, please. Well, Bob stood before Homeless Jesus. He saw it as a work of art in which there is something much like a park bench on which lay the figure of a man, a man covered by a blanket, a blanket obscuring the man's face. However, the blanket is not of such length to cover the man's feet. So we see the feet of this man have nail holes in them, holes telling us this is homeless Jesus. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Bob lingered before this work, was moved by this presentation of homeless Jesus. He would discover such sculptures are placed at various sites in North America and Europe. Bob would also fall into conversation with someone in that neighborhood regarding this work, Homeless Jesus. Though located near a public park within a neighborhood knowing its share of poverty, Bob and the neighbor with whom he spoke could see from where they stood a series of luxury high-rise apartments. The neighbor said to Bob, no one in this community had any problem with this sculpture being placed right here. But he then raised his arm, pointed a finger at the high-rise apartments. But those people, he said, they didn't want homeless Jesus placed here. He didn't say why. Well, who knows why those who experience Jesus' healing of the demon-possessed man decide they no longer want Jesus around them. Is it because Jesus shows himself as the one who is Lord of heaven and earth and all our lives? Is it because Jesus demonstrates a power that no one of us can ever overcome? Is it because that by his goodness, Jesus shines a light on our darkness? Is it because you and I know we only have the option of either following Jesus or being rid of him, and we know it's much easier to be rid of Jesus than to follow him? Is it because Jesus is not satisfied with us when we are content simply to play church, We have an orderly, predictable way we like to practice our faith. We surround ourselves with everything bright and shiny, beautiful and impressive, and I don't condemn this, not at all. But I don't know that any of us would say this alone satisfies Jesus' demands for living as his disciples. I don't know if any of this means we would make room for homeless Jesus in our neighborhood. 
regardless. I pray somewhere within ourselves we know this. We can never stop Jesus from being Jesus. No level of rejection on our part will stop him from healing. No level of rebuke from anyone will ever prevent Jesus from exercising demons. Nothing we do will deter him from making all things new. Now and always, he alone is Lord of all in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Now and always, he extends to us the invitation to embrace the new life he offers. Then we may return to our home and to declare how much God has done for us. Amen. We stand as we sing.
Thank you, Beth. I invite us to remain standing as we affirm our faith with the statement of faith of the United Church of Canada. We affirm our faith. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope. In life, in death, in life beyond death, God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. As we stand, we welcome one another as we pass the peace of Christ. As we find our places, we prepare to worship God with his tithes and our offerings as our ushers will come forward. Let us pray. Lord, your gift to us this day and every day is new life. Your gift to us each day is daily bread and so much more. Your gift to us is your Son, a gift beyond measure. In response, as we worship and glorify you, we seek to give you gifts that in your care accomplish much for the gospel of Christ, that you be glorified and your people be blessed. Amen.
be seated. We are called to be those who pray without ceasing, who ask, who seek, who knock. So we go to God in prayer with the prayers of the people. This is a responsive time of prayer. I will name a series of petitions, concluding each petition with the words, Lord, in your mercy. I invite from you the response, hear our prayer, and invite you as well to name those concerns upon your heart as we go to God in prayer and then conclude with our Lord's Prayer. Let us pray. Lord, you're a God whose desire it is to heal, to save, to free. We see this as you heal the demon-possessed man. You are a God doing a new thing, making all things new. You are a God whose gift of newness of life is a gift we receive and experience in this time of worship. For all of this, we give you thanks and praise. For all of this, we desire to follow you more closely and to return to our homes and to share the good news of all that you are doing in our lives. So, Lord, give us voice. Give us the assurance you are with us. And give us the assurance that your gift to us is the gift of life abundant, the promise of life eternal, and that nothing can ever separate us from your love. Lo, you are with us always, even until the end of the age. Lord, in your mercy. And hear us, Lord, as we pray for the people of this congregation. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for those who suffer and to those in trouble. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for the concerns of this community. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for the world, its peoples, and its leaders. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy, hear us, Lord, as we pray for your church, its leaders, its members, and its mission. Lord, in your mercy. For Bishop Weaver, Bishop Lewis, Denise Bates, Janine Howard, the ministries of First Church, Lord, in your mercy, and hear our prayers joined with those of your saints whose presence we know now as we hear their voices lifted with ours, praying as Christ has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Our closing hymn, Lord, dismiss us with your blessing. We stand as we sing. Thank you, Bobby. A wonderful reminder that we of all generations carry the light beyond this place and into this community, that God's word has fallen upon all flesh, including us. And now we are called to go to our homes to tell of the mighty works that God is doing for us. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.